trying not to forget everything, but it seems like I am, so <laughs> I've got everything together now. Um, praise the Lord. We are, like Bob said, um, two meetings away from finishing, and then we're going to do our phase two, and we're going to um, figure out what that is, and uh, just prayer meeting, not just prayer meeting. Our prayer meetings are prayer meetings. We, we come together, and we pray, and we see how the Lord is leading, and he blesses, and it's a blessing to be here for that because, you know, like we um, looked at the sanctuary Thursday night, what does a high priest wear? He wears the ephod. Anybody ever notice the pattern on the ephod? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve emblems on there. Ever look at your phone? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, star, zero, pound. We have direct access to our Heavenly Father through Christ ministering in the most holy place through the Holy Spirit. What better message could we give to the world that we have direct access to God through the Trinity to heaven? That's what we're teaching, folks. You know, we're trying to build up to this, but we have a Savior in heaven who has given everything on our behalf. And he has made a promise to us in John 14, 1 through 3, let not your heart be troubled. There's a lot of things that are coming, but don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Then he talks about, in my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. A dwelling place with God is not just a little Japanese um, little shelf where you're, you, know, you sleep the night and you go on. A mansion a dwelling place with God. You think of this new Jerusalem. We're going to look at that. God has something great in store for us. And in the world, people are like, seriously? Heaven? Come on. There's no heaven. That's what they think. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you so much for the promises that you have given us in your word. And Father, like the story of Moses, when Aaron and Hur lifted up the hands of Moses, Joshua and the armies of Israel triumphed. Help us, Father, to lift up each other's hands so that your work here will triumph. Because whenever we drop our hands, whenever we get distracted by the things of this world, the enemy starts to gain victories. But, Father, help us to lift each other up in prayer and lift each other's hands where we can so that we can be a blessing to this world and we can finish this work. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So we have people that think heaven is not for real. Some people think heaven is just a state of mind. You know, you're at home, you're in your own place. It's all calm. Then we have other folks. It's uh, three jaguars and a million-dollar house, and his kids are angels. I hope they are. (laughs) Um, And some other think heaven, we're so out of touch because we believe in fairy tales. But then as we get older, we hope that heaven is for real because... There's not much else worth living for. But what is heaven really like? Is it a confusing place on the other side of the star somewhere? Or is it, some, is it the opposite of hell where all the righteous people go? If it's in the Bible, we can believe it. If it's not, we need to get rid of it. And so in Revelation 21, verse 1, it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, first earth had passed away each of the prophets, prophets from Genesis to Revelation have all spoken of heaven and the new earth. 
Now, you notice in the bulletin, the title I'd given Michelle, and I appreciate Michelle because I didn't get the information soon enough, so that's why there's, it was my fault. There's no hymn numbers. But, you know, heaven, our final destination. Our heavenly home is going to, whenever everything's said and done, it's going to be here. But where are we, what's, our, what's going to be the limits of our heavenly home? The universe. We are going to have full access to the universe. We are going to be ambassadors to the universe. We will be able to share with the universe a story that none of them could even grasp, the salvation of mankind. So we will be ambassadors to the universe. And it's not going to be something that you've got to go here. It's going to be a joy. And people are going to be... The inhabitants of the other planets look forward to us visiting once we're cleansed of sin. So Eden will be restored. Heaven talks about the new earth, and it talks about Eden being restored. And we talked about the other night, a couple nights ago, why we will be in heaven for 1,000 years. Because we will be able to look over the books of life and give God that heavenly audit to see if he really is just. And then at the end of the 1,000 years, we will see that God is just. And then whenever he comes and recreates earth after the wicked are destroyed and finally sin is no more, we cannot fathom what heaven will be, what this new earth will be like. But there is one glimpse that we have when we see the beauty of nature. Uh, Mrs. White was said to have gone to Hawaii one time, and she said she just really enjoyed the Hawaiian people and their celebration. But she said Hawaii was the closest thing that she saw on earth to what heaven will look like. And so can you imagine from the North Pole to the South Pole, the whole planet looking like Hawaii? It just the colors, the lush trees with fruit. You know, fruit trees are going to bear fruit. They're going to bear a lot of fruit because there's going to be a lot of people enjoying them, but it's not going to spoil like the banana I ate this morning. You know, eat three bites like, okay, dog, here's the rest is for you. <laughs> it's not going to be that way. It's all, there's not going to be any spoilage there. Nothing to harm and look at these animals. I look forward to having some mountain gorillas in our house. I'm not sure my wife is too happy about that. But I'm just fascinated by mountain gorillas. They're so interesting. Can you imagine having a couple of them working with you? And they do what you say? Like, you got some heavy lifting power there. And so there will be love and joy and companionship in heaven. Whenever the animals, whenever Adam and Eve called the animals, they came. I called my cat, our, our cat, I can't say she's my cat, and she just looks at me. Bethany goes like this, and she comes running. Can you imagine doing that with the animals, especially the original dinosaurs that God created? That's going to be a massive, amazing thing. There won't be this whispering voice in our ear. Do it this way. We don't have to worry about the sad drama of sin. It'll be, it'll be no more. There will be a royal line of faith. We'll be able to interact with all of these heroes. And you know, the heroes of the Bible will come to those that, were, that lived like us in the last days and they'll say, tell us what it was like. And we're like, oh, Moses, tell us. No, no, you tell me your story. You've got a better story than I have. So Abraham, he'll look to us, but that we look at his faith. You know, the scriptures are not founded on Abraham. They're founded on the faith that Abraham showed to God. For he waited for the city which has a foundation whose builder and maker is God. 
And then Moses, as a little baby, Pharaoh was trying to kill him and all the others. And his mother said, okay, the king's command says put the baby in the, ark, or in the Nile River. Okay, so she put her baby in the Nile River. And then Pharaoh's daughter came to his rescue. And then you look at what, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He could have had it all. He chose to, rather than suffering affliction, let's see, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing of sin for just that time period. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches in Egypt, for he looked forward to the reward. Hebrews eleven thirteen and 14 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. They were assured that one day God was going to f- fulfill what he had promised. And we have that assurance today, too, with the promise of the second coming. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things plainly, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And you know, Robert's song, the other songs we've sung today, we're talking about the home that God has promised us. Take us, Lord. Take us home. But now they desire a better life that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is a massive city. Have you ever thought, stopped to think how big it is? It says, but it is, as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear has heard nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who loved him. Look at this picture. Imagine the deepest joy you could possibly have. Heaven's joy is greater yet. Imagine a heart that's at peace and at rest. Heaven's calm has greater peace and rest. We will be with all of our loved ones throughout all the ages. You know, it's just not grandma and grandpa. It was their grandma and grandpa and their grandma and grandpa and just keep going back until you get back to Adam. All of those who listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit accepted his leading and followed his leading will be there because God is faithful. Imagine the most wonderful fellowship, the most sharing, the most honest communication with friends. I think it's going to be neat to watch the kids in heaven because you know in the resurrection there's going to be a lot of little ones. Look how many we, you know, each of us know little ones who are laid in the grave. I know of three that I'm looking forward to seeing, but there are time, there is a day coming when all these little ones, and you, know, you read what Mrs. White says in Great Controversy, with their wings, they, some run up the hill, some fly up the hill. I wonder if they have two, four, or six wings. That'd be kind of neat. I think they'll have at least four. Heaven's fellowship is closer. The book of Revelation gives us a description of the holy city, and it's breathtaking. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. That's a pretty special day when a, a husband sees his bride adorned for the wedding. That's what it's going to be like. It's going to be a very special day. The new Jerusalem, as it descends to earth, remade, it's, mo- it's the most festive event in the universe. The Bible describes the glories of the holy city this way. Now the wall of the city has 12 foundations, and on them are the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So the foundations, it's a lot. 
And it's going to be the 12 apostles. Judas's name's not going to be there, but the others are going to be there. And then the, the 12 gates of the city. But here it says, these followers of Christ were people with their faults and their names are on the city of the, on the holy city. Why would God put Peter's name on the foundation? Why? Because Peter was faithful. He's saying to us, if they can make it, so can we. Heaven is not a place for a few super spiritual elite people. It's a place for common sinners who are redeemed by the blood of Christ. The Bible continues describing the city like this. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. Heaven's goal is to get as many people there as possible. Now I want to show you something. It's just going to take a second. I was playing a little bit last night with um, Google Earth. And I was wondering, how big is the city of Jerusalem? And so I drew lines around where the city, the wall is. And since we're doing two screens here, I've got to move it over there as soon as it comes up. And I'll just zoom in on Jerusalem here. Ever think of all the places in the Bible? It's called the Holy Land, right? Right? Yeah? Okay, the Holy Land. So how big is the Holy Land? J-R-U-S-A-L-E-M. There we go. I don't know if it will remember my marks, but it should. There we go. Okay. You're like, okay, we can't see it yet. We're working on it. Okay. Where'd it go? Here we go. Okay. Over there. Go over there. And now, drag it back this way. Okay. Let's get it straight. So, doing two screens live is not fun, but here we go. Okay. So, now I'm not going to zoom in because it takes more time. But there is a place right here called the Gulf of Aqaba. Maybe I can zoom in a little bit. Let's just take these off. Okay. And go down. Okay. Right about here. And I don't know why. Okay. So right about there, that's where the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. And if you look at that area, the land goes up like this underwater for a small area. So the, the children of Israel, they left Egypt up here, and they went all the way down here and crossed over. And then Mount Sinai is about right here. But if you look at this area here, everything you hear in the world that's going on, especially over in the Middle East, it's all right there. That's where the New Jerusalem is going to be if you were to draw a line 375 miles, or yeah, 375, 375, 1,500 miles around like that. I'm going to zoom out a little bit. Out. Now, could you see that city from space? You can see it for a long ways away. You know, we see the Great China Wall from space. What's it going to be like when this earth is spinning and you got the presence of God spinning? You know, the, the street is made of gold. The walls are made of gold. The light of God's presence is so bright that we don't even need the sun. It's going to be like a jewel on this earth, and it's going to be like a lighthouse spinning 
around. So no matter where you are in the universe, you will see the light of this city throughout the entire universe. God is setting up a beacon here. He wants to be here. And the neat thing is, Tom, I know Tom likes museums. Okay, so you have Mount Carmel, you have Calvary, you have the crossing of the Red Sea, the crossing of the Jordan. Every story that you have in the Bible, basically, especially in the Old Testament, is right in this area right there. So heaven is going to be like this huge, massive museum. And so no matter where you go in the New Jerusalem, you are going to be, something happened here. It's like going to Washington, D.C. or someplace. There's all these historical facts happened right here. And so whenever Christ comes back and he puts the, the holy city on the earth, he's going to land it on Mount, um, the Mount of Olives. But is he going to be square on there? I don't know. I, think it, I hope he slides it down a little bit further so Sinai will be there too because this is where God gave his Ten Commandments. But the point of it is, if, it's, if heaven is a literal city that's, that's diameter, well, it's, its circumference is a 1,500 miles, it's going to be a massive city, but the rest of the planet is for us. And not only that, the rest of the planet is for us, the rest of the universe is for us. And so all these places out here, all these stars, everything, they're going to be looking to this planet because this planet was where Satan dwells, and now God dwells here. Heaven is now here on earth because God wants to be with his people. It's, it brings a closer picture. It's like God loves us so much, he wants to be here with us. And he's setting up his heavenly home. And it's just not going to be, okay, we've got to go to church again. It's going to be God has a special plan for us. So if we can get back to the slide here. And let's see if I'll do this. And times like this, it'd be nice to have somebody else. Okay, can we go back to that slide? <laughs> there we go. Nope. And we're just going to zip through these now. So, you ever see that perspective? You ever seen the New Jerusalem like that? It, it's big. It's huge. So we always say, oh, it's about the size of the state of Oregon. Well, Oregon's a big place, but whenever you look at it in the context of where it is going to be over there, God has a perfect place for us, and he invites us. It's like getting a, a letter in the mail that says, you know, we see these publisher clearinghouses, whatever. What if it was legit? What if it really was a $10 million check? Would you be like, okay, I'm going to frame it on the wall and say, hey, I got a $10 million check, or would you take it to the bank and cash it? God is offering us if we are willing to accept it. We did not, we were born into a, a world of sin, but we have a free gift through Christ if we are willing to accept it. And he wants us to accept it. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. We have a glorious home. I'm almost there. So here it is, the heavenly city coming down. And God wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to be there with him. Whoever you are, you can make it through one of these gates by the grace of God. Why are there 12 gates? Well, there's, you know, whenever they used to build the cities, they limited the number of gates so that if they were attacked, just like the forts here in the United States, they would limit the number of gates so the enemy couldn't get in. But in heaven... 
It's for everyone to, to come in. And you know what's really interesting, if you read in the Great Controversy, whenever the New Jerusalem comes down, the wicked are not yet destroyed, and so they surround the city of God. And it's only at a certain point when the command goes out, and again, read this in Great Controversy, but it's only at a certain point when the command goes out to close the gates. Up until a certain time, the gates are wide open, and if the wicked chose to, they could go in, but they choose not to go in. Read that. They want to stay out. They want what's in there, but they don't want to go in. They are, there's something about it. And the righteous, we're not going out. We're safe. We're in here with Christ. I believe the wicked want to go in because they want the tree of life. That's, why that's their goal. We have the river of life. We have Christ with us. So its length and its breadth and its height are equal. Can you imagine that city being 375 miles tall? Most the most of the space well I, most of the space missions in low Earth orbit are less than two hundred miles up. You know the the um, global positioning satellites are in a low Earth orbit. They're not that high, three hundred seventy five miles up. It's the um, geostationary satellites are twenty two thousand five hundred miles up there. But the low but what it's saying is. At that altitude, at 375 miles, God's presence, his city is still there. You're in outer space. God has a perfect launching pad for you if you want to go somewhere. What Jesus promised will certainly come true. In his Father's house, there are indeed many mansions. He has prepared a place for us. We don't, in these homes, we don't have our walkers, our glasses, whatever else. These man-made assistants are not there because we'll be in perfect health. There are 12 gates and 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. Ever see a pearl? Can you imagine a gate? The gates are bigger than the door. Can you imagine a pearl this size right here? Imagine the massive gates and there's 12 of them, three on each side, because everybody's welcome in, all those who want to be in. And the street of the city of gold is like transparent glass. Now, in Revelation, whenever they say transparent glass, that's a high-tech thing, to see glass that's transparent. Imagine a city with transparent glass. Nobody's going to be digging up the streets in heaven. It's like pavement. We walk on it. That's what you walk on in heaven. And I believe this, the, the streets are of glass and the um, sidewalks or the, the other parts of the city will probably be like that blue um, sapphire that they saw the Lord walking on in Exodus. So the city will descend as the capital of the earth and the brilliant city descends, fire flashes down and destroys the wicked. But look at this. The new Jerusalem settles down and the river of life is as clear as crystal, and it flows out of the heavenly city. It'll flow out of the new Jerusalem, and it'll go to the, all the world. Just like the Tigris and the Euphrates and the other two rivers flowed out of the Garden of Eden, they're going to be massive rivers. And the neat thing is, if you read in Ezekiel, it starts off small, but it's going to flow out of the throne of God, and it's just going to get wider and wider. And the tree of life will span this. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. The beauty of Eden will be restored. Last night we were looking at um, the city of Babylon over in Iraq, and from space you can see where there's a definite line 
where the desert ends and there's vegetation starting to grow. Can you imagine the entire planet is looking like a well-manicured garden where there's no weeds? You know, every year, you, whenever you, um, you're gardening, you got weeds, right? There, everything is where it's supposed to be. And it, the colors are more vibrant than even the, a 4K video can show. Something higher quality than even our eyes will be more clearly perceptive. What will our physical condition be of the new earth? Our citizenship is in heaven, which we eagerly await for the Savior. You know, of all the beautiful things in heaven, whether it's the monkeys or the giraffes or the elephants or the lions, the most beautiful thing in heaven will be the face of Christ because he has made it possible for us. Kids will flock to him like, you want, you know, like, you know, like these Oreo cookies here. You know, Hey, kids, you want an Oreo cookie? They're going to come running usually. Christ's personage will be such a draw to all the people, especially the children, And it's not because he's giving them good gifts. It's because of the gift that he has given himself. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. We will have a physical body just like he did. He ate fish, and he ate honeycomb after his resurrection. He sat on the the shore of the sea with the disciples and ate bread and fish with them that morning. We will eat. He will serve us. He has promised that he will, we will be like him. We don't know what we will be like, but we know we will be like he is. A glorious, resurrected, immortal body. When Jesus met the disciples, he kept them from recognizing him because he wanted to reveal something to them. And they looked at him, and they looked at his mannerisms like, you did that just like Jesus used to do. And all of a sudden, the thought strikes them. It's the Lord, and then he disappears. And then he goes with, ahead of them to, um, on the road to Emmaus. Whenever Mary saw him, she recognized his voice. Whenever he said Mary, he had a special way of saying, saying you know, you, you can say your child's name because there's other kids with the same name. But when mom says that particular child's name, you recognize it because that's mom's voice in that child's name, right? My brother played a trick on me one time. I was, uh, I had to use the loo, okay, the restroom. <laughs> and I was, you know, finishing up, and all of a sudden I heard my mom say, David. I was like, yeah, mom, what you need? Nothing. And so I heard my mom's voice again, David. I'm like, yeah, what do you need, mom? Nothing. So the third time, David. I'm like, what, mom? So I opened the door. My brother was standing outside. This is in the 90s, okay, so we had cassette players. He was playing a cassette. David. It sounded like my mom, but it wasn't. It was her voice. When Christ spoke to Mary, he said Mary in such a way she recognized him. And he noticed what she says to him, Rabboni. The way she said, there was a connection between these two. They were good friends. And so whenever he speaks to us, we'll recognize his voice. And we will recognize each other's voices. We'll recognize each other's countenances. The physical form will recognize it. Can you imagine seeing good friends that have been separated by death for years? Suddenly they come back together. It's not like, hey, how's it going? It's going to be like watching people at the airport whenever they've been separated for a long time. Lots of hugs, lots of kisses, lots of tears, good tears. Lots of families being restored. 
And then you're like, well, who's this? Oh, this is someone, this is my son or this is my daughter. God has a perfect, it's a great family reunion coming up. We will recognize one another by our unique mannerisms, our voice annotations, the individual personalities. We will recognize each other. And the inhabitants will not say, I am sick. The people who will dwell in the land will be forgiven their iniquity. They, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Can you imagine whenever Jesus was here and somebody they couldn't speak and he opened up their mouth so they could speak? They were probably the loudest one praising him. And those that were lame, they couldn't walk. They were the ones, like whenever John and Peter, whenever they healed, healed the man at the temple, he was jumping, in, it says he was jumping and leaping and praising God. These people, whenever Christ performed these miracles for them, what's it going to be like in heaven whenever we don't need all this stuff and we'll be healthy? You know, whenever we get there, we're not going to be, okay, it's time to go to bed. We've got energy to go. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb will sing. There's joy and happiness everywhere. New life flows through our veins. Life pulsates through our bodies. There's joy and happiness everywhere. You know, most my kids don't understand this, but you tell the kids, you know, I still feel like I'm about 20, 25, except the days when, you, you know, things don't work right. But you still feel like you're still 16, 17, 20. You know, you don't feel any different. You don't feel like you're 50, whatever. You feel, and so in heaven, we will feel, hopefully, hopefully we will, we will feel like we are. We will be young, strong, healthy individuals, like God created us to be. All these deformities and all the things, all these surgeries, all these scars, no more. We will have freshness in life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more dying, nor sorrow, nor crying. Whenever we get to heaven, before the thousand years is over, there will be tears and sorrow because we will see the loved ones that we knew that are not there. But whenever earth is restored and whenever sin is destroyed, then God will wipe away every tear. There will be no more sorrow because everything will be settled. All the accounts, you look at everything and it's like, God is good. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Death, sorrow, crying, pain, forever gone. We will be with Christ. And he showed me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was a, street, was a tree of life which bore twelve fruits. And each tree yields its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. We will be loved by God, cherished by God, embraced by God, sanctified, satisfied by God. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like, on wings like eagles. You ever watch the geese fly over? We'll be able to do that. How will we get from wherever we are on earth over to the new Jerusalem to worship on Sabbath? It's not going to take us 24 hours to get over there we will have the ability to go faster than what we can imagine now. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall not hurt, especially the animals, nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You ever see the ocean? Imagine the knowledge of the Lord is like the ocean. It will, everyone that's covered by the water or covered by the sky will have a knowledge of the Lord. 
Heaven is a real place. We'll be singing songs. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. We will remember things, but the guilt will not be remembered anymore. The consequences, all these things, everything that drags us down now will not come to mind. Christ will take that away. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build in another habit. They shall not plant in another eat. When I was a kid, we would live in a house for two years and my folks would build another house and we'd build another. And that's just the way they did. We will build a house and we will inhabit that house. And it's not going to be, you know, okay, you live here by yourself. You live here. Families, however God has it in store, families will be together. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. Ever see a large tree? What are the... The pine trees up north here, what's that called? Hartwick Pines. You see those trees? These are virgin, the trees, they've been there for a long time, bigger than that. Our lives will extend beyond the life of a tree. What about fellowship and friends? And I will say to you that many will come from east and west. Notice east and west. Right now, east and west is not getting along. They will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Tell that to the folks over in other countries that don't accept it. We are going to be worshiping our heavenly father, and under his care, and under his dominion, all will be well. This would, imagine meeting Adam, or Moses, or Daniel, the, with Peter, James, John, the apostle Paul, Everyone, all of these different ones will be there, but Christ will be there at the head of it all. What will be really fascinating is to see that first greeting between Adam and Christ. One day as we enter the city, Jesus will be there to welcome us. This is your land. This is your home. He's going to take us to, this is your place. I have built this place for you. What was Jesus' profession here? He was a carpenter. He has been building. He could have just spoke it, but he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Christ is our hope. These beautiful flowers, they're for us. And I have heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. We are going to be in our Heavenly Father's home. We're going to be welcomed guests in our Heavenly Father's home. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Can you imagine? We, we come to a church and some churches, they worship their idols because that's their gods. Our God is a living God. We will be there in his home forever. And it'll be a joy to be with him. They shall see his face and, they, they, and his name shall be on their foreheads. God has a perfect plan for us. Fields of waving grain beautiful flowers, but most of all, Christ will be there. We'll even meet our guardian angels, the ones that sometimes we think, your guardian angel must have gray hair, (laughs) all the stuff we've done. God wants us to be together. So when Christ comes, he's coming for each one who has chosen to be there with him. So the invitation is, will you accept this gift? You know, even if heaven was just plain, it was just like Arizona or some place where it's just dry and flat. And there's people like that. 
even if, there were, if that was heaven, it would be enough to be with Christ. Let's bow our heads. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, heaven is cheap enough. We do not know, understand, or comprehend what you have done. But Father, you have promised us in John 14, 1 through 3, that Jesus said he would, if he goes, he will come again and take us there to be with him forever. Father, we look forward to the heavenly home. It's, just, it's not just the beauty and all the neat things. That Our heavenly home, it's more than that. You know, we can live in a house, but a home is where everyone is welcomed. So, Father, you have a heavenly home where each one of us are more than welcome. Help us, Father, to trust you. Thank you for the Sabbath day. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our closing song is number 205. Number 205. Please stand.